Well, welcome everybody to Legendary Leadership Lessons. I'm your host, Gary Johnson, and we have an excellent episode for you today to talk with Stephen Covey. And I want to tell everybody in the audience, just in case they don't know who Stephen is, sought after and compelling keynote speaker and advisor on trust, leadership, ethics, high performance. He speaks to audiences all around the world. Most of you probably know him from his book, The Speed of Trust, probably one of my favorite leadership books. He's got a new book out now called Trust and Inspire. But I want to make sure you all understand what he was able to do in his past life. He was the former CEO of Covey Leadership Center, which under his stewardship became the largest leadership development company in the world. Pretty big deal. He personally led the strategy that propelled his father's book, which many of you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, to one of the two most influential business books of the 20th century, according to CEO Magazine. So I am really excited to introduce everyone in the audience to Stephen Covey. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, it's great to be with you, Gary. Really excited to have this conversation. You know, I am too. And we were talking offline. One of my favorite books out there was was really your first book, The Speed of Trust, which I think really for anybody in the audience, if you haven't had a chance to read it, it's one of those books you need to read two or three times. It's, it's really deep, a lot of great stuff in there about us as leaders and the things that we can do to build relationships. And and it's it's hard for me to say this, but, but I think your new book's better, Trust and Inspire, which we're going to talk about today. What a tremendous book. And I'm curious, what kind of motivated you to write this one? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for that, Gary. I appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, um, what motivated me to write Trust and Inspire was I just could, I, I just kept seeing how our world was changing right in front of our eyes, um, where it's becoming far more um, collaborative, interdependent than ever before. And, and also technology is changing everything and the workforce is changing with as many, you know, you know, as many as five generations, including these younger generations, the workplace is changing or suddenly there's options to work from home or hybrid work, remote work. And that all these forces of change really create a whole new environment out there, a new world where people have got to, they've got to, they've got to win in the workplace with their own people in order to win in the marketplace with customers and partners. And yet with all these changes going on, the way that we lead, our style of leadership has not kept pace with the changing world. So I like to say the world has changed, but our style of leadership has not, or at least it's not kept pace. And we need a kind of leadership that is relevant for this new world of work. And, and the old model I call command and control, we've gotten better at it, more advanced with it, more sophisticated. We've moved to what I called an enlightened command and control, <laughs> but that's not very relevant in this new world of work. That will not produce a high trust culture that inspires. That will not produce the kind of collaboration and innovation we need today. We need a new way to lead in a new world. And I call it, rather than command and control, I call it trust and inspire as a better way of leading in our world today that really kind of defines the kind of leadership that is going to be relevant in this new world of work. That's the idea behind it. Yeah, it's such a great book. When I got a chance to really dig into it, I really do, Stephen, think you're, you're just one of the top minds out there on leadership and, and how to be a better leader. I, I loved your dad's stuff. I think pretty pretty much anybody in the audience who, who had a chance to look at that would say the same. 
and you're such a humble guy. I think that's actually one of the things that 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 really you walk the talk with this. And you you say on the cover of the book, you know how truly great leaders unleash greatness in others. And I wanted to mention something to you. I had an opportunity not too long ago to interview Nito Quibane, who now runs High Point University down in North Carolina. Just a tremendous, tremendous leader. Turned that university around significantly. Was on the speaking circuit forever. I think you two know each other. And he was talking about a lot of what you're talking about in your book, which is this increasing the capacity of those around us. That's really one of our main jobs as a leader. And I'm curious if your thoughts on, can we do that well as command and control leaders, or, or does it take this, this trust and inspire type of leadership to do that well? I really think it takes trust and inspire. You, you, you know, with command and control, you're not giving people enough freedom, enough autonomy, enough trust to really develop their capabilities. And, you know, they're, they're kind of following your direction and the like, and they, you know, they can improve, they can get better but there's so much potential and talent that's inside of people that you're not going to tap into and, and unleash. And the whole idea of trust and inspire is that you see the potential. It always starts by seeing the potential. And sometimes it's, it might be lying dormant in people. Maybe they haven't developed it yet. Maybe they don't know about it themselves, but that's what leaders do. They see the potential in others and then they communicate that potential to others so that they come to see it in themselves. That's great leadership to see and communicate people's worth and potential so clearly that they come to see it in themselves. And then they, they develop it and then they unleash it. They give them opportunities. They give them a, a, a you know, give them a chance, give them an responsibility. And sometimes people might not feel ready for it, but, but they say, no, you are ready. You've got this and I've got your back. You can do this. And, you know, it's seeing the potential inside of people and giving them the opportunity to unleash that potential. And that's really what I think great leadership is all about, seeing, communicating, developing and unleashing potential, talent, greatness that's inside of people everywhere. And, and, um, and command and control won't get you there. It might with a few people, you know, the ones that the command and control um, paradigm looks at as the, quote, high potentials. But actually, if you have a growth mindset for everyone, then suddenly everyone could become a high potential. And you see, communicate, develop, and unleash the greatness that's inside of everyone. Trust and inspire will do that so much better in a way that command and control will never come close to touching. You know, in your book, and I think you really illustrated this well and very simply with one particular thing that really stood out with me is, you know, this command and control environment and even even this one that's enlightened, you're probably at best, you're going to get compliance. Right. I mean, at best, where this trust and inspire, what you just described, that's where we tap into that commitment, right? That they're going to they're going to follow this vision and get behind it when we walk out of the room, right? Absolutely. The, the, you know, and commitment, by the way, it includes compliance because we've got to be compliant, but that's not the end all. <laughs> that's kind of just the bare minimum. What we really want is that commitment. And, and the more we involve people in what we're trying to do, the more committed they become. That's the idea of trust and inspire. We're doing that. We're doing this with people. And command and control, you do it to people 
or even for people in a transactional way. Trust Inspire it's doing, is, is doing our work with each other. We're partners and collaborators. And, and it's operating on inspiration, not, not mere motivation. And, and when people feel inspired, they do feel far more committed. And they have far more inside of them that they're able to, to unleash and, and to realize and to close those gaps. I love uh, how uh, Gandhi put it. He said, the difference between what we are currently doing and what we are capable of doing would solve most of the world's problems. <laughs> That's what leadership should be about, is trying to, to, to tap into what we are capable of doing, what our team is capable of doing so that we can achieve extraordinary things one person at a time, one leader at a time. And, and, and that's, you know, it, it's, it's how we lead. And, and it starts with the paradigm of believing that people have greatness inside of them so that our job of, as a leader becomes to unleash their potential, not to try to contain or control them. Yeah, you know when I think about just some different things about this inspiration, you know, I, and I don't remember who said it, but you know, we need more than their arms and legs. You know, perspiration doesn't equal inspiration, and you know, we got to get to their heart, right? We've got to get yeah. to the heart of those people on our team, and what what a better way to do that than being one of those leaders that they can look to and say, you know, this person cares about me. Absolutely, there's a big difference even between. Um, you know, being motivated and being inspired. The motivation is external. It's that extrinsic kind of heavy focus on rewards and on carrot and stick motivation. Nothing wrong with that per se. It's just incomplete. And, you know, you can motivate people through rewards to, to do something. And then that, you know, they, they try to get more rewards, but you got to keep coming up with more rewards. It's always providing more external stimuli. But if you move from motivation into inspiration, which is internal, it's intrinsic, you light the fire within, that fire once lit can burn on for months, if not years, without the need for constant external stimuli. I love the Latin word for inspire, which means it's, it's inspirare, which means to breathe life into. So when you inspire, you breathe life into relationships, into teams, into cultures, Whereas command and control tends to suck the life out of. And so, you know, you breathe life into relationships, teams, cultures, and you, you said it, Gary, you do it through connecting with people through a sense of caring and through a sense of belonging. And when people have a sense of caring and belonging, that you care for them and they belong to this team, that inspires them. And then you'll go to another level of inspiration when you tap into purpose, into meaning, into contribution when they feel that they're part of something that's bigger than them, that makes a difference in the world, that inspires them. I just was with uh, Pepperdine University and uh, with the Graziato School of Business. And this is, listen to their purpose. It, it, it had been, you know, to produce leaders who are best in the world, which is a fine purpose. Then they changed it to something that was even far more inspiring, which was this, that their purpose was to produce leaders who are best for the world, best for the world leaders, as opposed to just best in the world leaders. Now, suddenly, that is inspiring everyone. I feel like I'm part of something bigger than just me. And this is about making a difference in our society and in the world, best for the world leaders. So I'm inspired, whether I'm a professor 
or a staff member or a janitor. I'm about producing best in the world leaders. That inspires. And so to inspire people, just can we can go to a whole different place than what mere motivation takes us. And command and control can motivate, but trust and inspire moves us into a whole new domain of what's possible, what's out there for people. Such a better way to lead. You know, it's interesting. I want to get your perspective on this. Thank you for sharing that. You know, you talked about in the book, tying performance to purpose. You know, it's so important. We're really seeing a lot more of this with the younger generation coming in. They're really purpose-driven. You know, they want to they want to work somewhere that where they can make a difference. And it's not to say that us and different generations don't feel the same way, but that they're just driven towards that. And I think your point about tying performance to purpose is so important. I was talking to Jim Hunter, the the author of the book, The Servant, a few weeks back, you know, six million copies sold, just a great book about servant leadership. And, you know, he said, you know, Gary, you know, you know making money and, and, and making a profit, that's just a scorecard. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really not what this is about in leadership. It's really about us serving others, just like you said, you know, with Pepperdine. It's about, you know, what's best for the world, what's best for our team. So here's my question for you. That all being true, and I think it's great stuff, and I think everybody in the audience would go, yeah, that sounds good. How do we get these leaders, people that maybe kind of grew up in a command and control environment, how do we get them to start saying, you know what, I'm, I need to make a change, and how do I do that? Yeah, it's a great question because we're in in a transition on this where a lot of people have been scripted in the old model, the command and control model. It's what we grew up in and it's what we've known. It's what we're good at. It's what we've had models of and mentors. And and um, so a lot of people are, are, are really good at that. In fact, the data shows that still about 92% of organizations are operating in some form of command and control. So even though the, you know you listen to this and you say, of course, this sounds self-evident. It's, isn't this obvious that this is what we have to be? Still nine out of 10 organizations are trapped in the old model. I like to say the old model command and control is like our native tongue. It's what we know. It's what we're good at. Whereas trust and inspire is like an acquired tongue. We're learning how to do this. And so I think the biggest thing we need to see is we need to see models of trust and inspire leaders that are doing this in a different way today so that we can get our arms around the fact that, Hey, we can get good at this. This is not some soft, you know, warm and fuzzy, fluffy form of leadership. No, this is about getting results and being relevant. And the reality is that increasingly command and control is becoming less and less relevant in our world today, because you're just not going to build the kind of high trust culture that inspires people that enables you to attract them and retain them and keep them and engage them. And I, and again, even inspire them. Even engagement alone is probably not enough going forward because engagement can still be somewhat in the motivation space. Um, so, you know, There's a lot of people that are engaged, but are utterly uninspired and they're burning out. And so we can even go beyond engagement and maybe the highest manifestation of engagement is that inspiration where, where they feel, they feel inspired and they'll perform better. And the research shows that, that not only do, this is from Bain, that an inspired employee performs 125% better than a merely satisfied employee. Now you might expect that because satisfaction is not a high bar, but listen to this. They even perform 56% better than a fully engaged employee. 
So there's something beyond engagement. It's, it's inspiration. And they're happier. There's greater well-being. The culture is better. And so just being pra- pragmatic, if we want to get better results, better outcomes in a new world with these younger generations that have different expectations and hopes and desires, command and control will not achieve it. And trust and inspire can and will. So it's a better way to lead today to get better results. That will get people's attention, but also to stay relevant in a changing world of disruption going on all around us. We've got to collaborate and innovate and you can't command and control your way to collaboration and innovation. You got to trust and inspire your way to that. So just, I think that if we can kind of recognize that, Hey, if I could paraphrase my friend, Marshall Goldsmith, what got us here won't get us there. (laughs) So maybe command and control got us to where we are today, but it's not going to take us to where we need to go tomorrow in a changing disruptive world. We need a new way to lead in a new world and trust and inspire is it. Then if you can find models of this, people like Satya Nadella and what he's done at Microsoft to revitalize a huge organization through his leadership style, he modeled, he, he trusted, he inspired, and he's unleashed the greatness of his organization by first unleashing the greatness of his people. Cheryl Batchelder, how she turned around Popeye's. She modeled, she trusted, she inspired and unleashed the greatness of the organization by first unleashing the greatness of her people. We need models who can become mentors. And when people see the model, they say, oh, you know what? I can do this too. I can make this transition. I am not my style. I can re-script and become, maybe I've been command and control in the past, but I can choose to re-script and become trust and inspire in the future and lead in a better way to get better results and outcomes, not only financial and, and, um, you know, performance outcomes, but also a better culture with more, more, more uh, excitement, energy, joy, happiness, satisfaction, fun, which is part of a trust and inspire culture. So that's a, such a better way to lead for everyone. You know, it's such a great point. I, you, you, I, you, I was going to talk about the statistics. You pulled them right out of my mouth because it's so amazing when I read that. But, you know, when you talk about this trust and inspire and how it affects culture. It reminds me of Peter Drucker's, you know, old statement that, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? I mean, at the end of the day as leaders, because I'm thinking about, you know, with what I do with Vistage, we're we're running in and talking with CEOs and executives all the time. And, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, what is the only person that can motivate you is you initially as a leader, right? I have to decide, Hey, there's a better way. And I think the first step in that, quite honestly, is, is just go pick up the book and read it. I mean, when you start reading the data and you provide a lot of data in here that demonstrates that it works. I mean, you brought up Microsoft. I mean, I can't remember the market value increase, but it was ridiculous. You know, once once that change was made there and there's you know, example after example. So I, I guess first and foremost, Stephen, is, is, is the leaders that are out there listening to this, you know, as, as we, we kind of wrap up this episode, you know, thinking about your book, which I think is tremendous. It's a great read. It's something they should go out and get, because if you're trying to improve yourself as a leader, you can't do that if you don't go out and expose yourself to things you don't know. And I think this book is just tremendous in that respect. But if just closing this up, if you were you know, thinking about the audience, mostly made up of, of senior level leaders, if you could give one piece of advice to that, to that group of leaders, what would that one piece of advice be? My one piece of advice would be this, go first. Someone needs to go first. Leaders go first. And go first on everything that you would like to see. So if you want to see more 
respect. Be the first to demonstrate and show respect. You want to see more openness and transparency on your team and your culture? Be the first to show more openness, more transparency. Be more vulnerable yourself. You model it. You go first. If you want to have more trust, be the first to give trust, to extend trust. Because it's so interesting. If, if the outcome we want is trust, yes, we have to be trustworthy. We earn that. We demonstrate our character and our competence, but it's not enough to merely be trustworthy because you could have two trustworthy people working together and yet no trust between them if neither person is willing to give trust to the other, to extend it. So as leaders, not only do we have to be trustworthy, we also need to be trusting. We have to be willing to give that trust, to extend that trust in a smart way. We need to go first. And so the leader goes first in both being trustworthy through their character, through their competence, and in being trusting in giving that trust and extending that trust. And when you do that, people receive it and they return it and they're inspired by it. So go first, be the first to lead out in extending the trust. Can I give you just one quick example of this? Sure. So within, in Metzingen, Germany, just a few months ago, met with Daniel Greeter, the CEO of Hugo Boss, the big global fashion retailer. And, you know, big company, 17,000 employees all around the world. He came in two years ago and he, um, he came from the outside. So he's brand new. He meets with his top 100 leaders within the first week on the job. And he tells the team, he says, okay, team, we have a choice. We can spend the next year getting to know each other. You learning about me, me learning about you, you deciding whether you can trust me, me deciding whether I can trust you. We can do that. And we'll waste a year. Or we can start from day one and extend trust to each other, give trust to each other. Well, let me tell you where I'm at. I choose the latter. I trust you. And I'm asking you, trust me back. Together we can create a whole new culture based on trust, but we got to start. And I, I'm going to lead out by trusting you. Boy, this was quite countercultural at the time. People weren't prepared for this, but they were inspired by it. They responded to it. And he let out and gave the trust to them. He went first. Guess what? They reciprocated and gave the trust back to him. And they moved forward fast. They had created a five-year plan with metrics around growth, profit, profit share, brand awareness, all kinds of, all the metrics you would expect, revenue, um, and, 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 you know, market share, profit. Well, they're now two years into the plan and yet they are on, on, on year four of achieving the metrics in the plan. They are moving at the speed of trust. And it's because someone went first. The leader, Daniel Greeter, went first and people reciprocated the trust that he gave and they trusted him right back and they rose to the occasion. They responded to it but the leader went first. So I would just say to all our leaders out there, go first, lead out in, in demonstrating the kind of behavior you would like to see, lead out in demonstrating the trust you would like to have. You go first as a leader. And when you do that, you make it safe for others to do the same. This is a better way to lead and we can lead out by going first and becoming the trust inspired leaders that our organizations need today and really that our people need and want today. 
Well, that is a great way to end today's episode. What a tremendous story. And it really does talk about modeling and as the leader being the one to extend that trust and ask for it back. Great, great story. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. Wonderful segment. Can't wait to get this up. Thanks again. I'm so humbled to be with you. Well, thank you, Gary. I feel the same. Wonderful to be with you. And I love all that you're doing with Legendary Leadership Lessons. Thank you so much. All right.